church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dr. Dennis Hall, and I am delighted that you are listening to this podcast today. You know, it's uh, it's just amazing uh, the things that go on around us and the things that uh, give me, I guess, some motivation for the theme of these podcasts. I had TV on uh, earlier this week, and I bumped into a channel that uh, that uh, uh, was broadcasting from a courtroom, and they had an eyewitness uh, to a skiing accident. It involved a very famous uh, actress. And so this eyewitness was giving his account of the uh, skiing accident. And I was very interested in that and it began to think about the gift of the eye and all the things that the human eye does for us in our existence. I couldn't help but think while I was listening to this man in this trial uh, about my mother who uh, uh, when I was just a little child, would interrogate me about something that I had done or not done. And she would always say, son, I want you to look right into my eye and answer this question. And she knew and I knew that I could not look into my mother's eye and lie. It was just a reality. And so uh You know, I've tried that a little bit in my adult life when I've been in a position where I needed to know the truth from someone and uh, and look into their eyes. It's amazing what the eye will tell others. You know, uh, um, some say the eye, the human eye is the window into our soul. I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, we have all kinds of different colors of eyes. My eyes happen to be blue. Uh, For those of you who might look at the the, uh, YouTube uh, broadcast of this, and, um, and, you know, there are green eyes and brown eyes and hazel eyes and even some different shades of all that. Our eyes tell us a great deal about what other people are thinking just through their eyes. You know, professional... Uh, poker players carefully watch their opponent's eyes. Uh, you know, they look for fearful eyes indicated by dilating pupils, uh, and it may indicate that their opponent is bluffing. And And then they watch to see what their opponent may be glancing at. If they're glancing at the, a chip stack, it may mean they're worried about covering uh, the bet. Now, this is why Many professional poker players wear sunglasses. They don't want their opponents watching their eyes. You know, we communicate with our eyes without ever saying 
a word. You know, uh, eye contact and a conversation is critical. It's uh, it's very important. It, it shows attentiveness and interest in what's being said. Um, if if that eye contact disappears, it usually is interpreted appropriately, that there's no real interest there. You know, sometimes it even happens between spouses where, uh, you know, we'll say to each other, well, listen to me, I want you to look at me while I'm talking. <laughs> it's a it's common. Our eyes tell us so much. You know, in church services, sometimes I'll see parents staring at their children when they're misbehaving. The children recognize this is a sign of hostility and uh, and usually will stop whatever they're doing. And, you know, adults do this, too. Uh, you know, when they start to stare, uh, it, it usually sends a message to back off, back off. Uh, you're getting close to the edge of hostility. You know, the eye is an amazing, uh, amazing thing. You know, our eyes can send messages of uh, excitement, disinterest, boredom, anger, hate, disbelief, disapproval, disgust, and, and really a whole range of emotions just communicated by our eyes. You know, interestingly, operating room nurses become very adept at communicating with their eyes since they're behind a mask all day. You know, perhaps during this pandemic, others have learned to communicate with their eyes since so many were wearing masks during this uh, recent COVID pandemic. Pandemic, You know, uh, uh, eyes can also effectively communicate love. Now, we've heard all kinds of people describe love at first sight, the eye, love at first sight. You know, many people can describe seeing their uh, their spouse or significant other for the first time and how there was a certain energy that occurred and a certain attraction, a certain chemistry, all brought about by eye contact. You know, uh, I would suggest to you, if you want to experience the power of the human eye, get close to your spouse and look into uh, his or her eyes. I'm not talking about momentarily. I'm talking about for a a significant amount of time. Let the minutes pass. Uh, Don't let this be a momentary thing. And I will tell you uh, that something miraculous will happen to both of them. So the eyes, you know, they can be a tremendous tool. And then on the other hand, you know, our eyes can play a role into leading us into sin by showing us what uh, uh, power and greed can achieve for us. And of course, then we have the whole realm of pornography where literally millions and millions of people are viewing pornography, and it's the eye that facilitates this. And sadly, you know, viewing a pornography can literally permanently make changes in your brain. Now, our eyes also can uh, 
lead us into what ancient theologians called sensus divinitatis, which means the sense of the divine. You know, in Romans one uh, twenty, the Apostle Paul tells us, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. The eyes clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You know, Paul is telling us that all we have to do is look around with our eyes and observe the miracles of nature to know that God exists. I think that one of God's miracles is the human eye, the human eye. If you look through a window while you're listening to this podcast, if you're somewhere where you can look through a window, uh, think about what your eyes are telling you. There are various objects uh, in our view. The eye will tell you what color these objects are, will tell you how far away the objects are or how close the objects are. And, you know, and uh, and they'll give you a sense of how large or how small the objects are or whether they're moving and how fast they're moving. You know, all of these observations that are flowing through your eye are being communicated to our brains and help us make important decisions about our environment. Now, it's really all about how light reflects off objects in our field of view. You know, the front window of the eye is called the cornea, and it helps focus the light which passes through the pupil, um, you know, which is that round opening in the iris, the colored part of your eye. And all of us are familiar with how the pupil changes size to control how much light enters the eye. Then the light gets to the lens, which works just like a camera to focus the light. It actually adjusts its shape depending on whether the light reflects off something near to us or far away. And then the light eventually gets to the retina in the back of our eye. Now, the retina is like a big movie screen, uh, like in a movie theater, and it's full of all these photoreceptors. You know, these special nerve endings come in two kinds called rods and cones, and they convert this light into electrochemical signals. The, The rods... Um, work better in the dark, and the cones really work for our central and color vision. Amazingly, there were about 120 million, 120 million rods uh, and 60 million cones in a typical eye, you know, and uh, signals from these photoreceptors. The the rods and the cone travel along nerve fibers to the optic nerve, which sends signals to the brain. So that's how you see. That's how we see. Light reflected from an object enters the eye, gets focused, 
is converted into electrochemical signals. It is then delivered to the brain, interpreted, and is seen as a large image. The human eye is miraculous. Senses, the divinitatis, the sense of the divine. You know, I, it's, it's, I, I think it's maybe one of the most uh, underappreciated miracles of God, and that is the human eye that is so different from every other creature on earth. You know, um, when I think about all these miraculous capabilities of the eye, um, the human eye, it's profoundly disturbing to me to realize that 1.4 million of the world's children are blind. In the United States, there are about 600,000 children who are either blind or have serious difficulty seeing, even with glasses. You know, I once had the privilege of working with a healthcare lawyer who was totally blind, and he had become a highly respected consultant to insurance companies and um, healthcare institutions. He had traveled all around, uh, all around the world, often by himself, without the ability to see. He had so many humorous stories to tell about these adventures, uh, traveling around the world by himself, totally blind. Now, I tell you this story because I want to say, as we talk about the human eye, that blindness does not keep an individual from making a significant contribution to society. You know, we have all kinds of examples of that, of, of uh, individuals who are blind, uh, who have made great contributions and achieved many things uh, in, in their life. You know, recently, uh, in a telephone conversation with my oldest son, he seems to uh, enjoy biblical trivia. I asked him, how many blind people did Jesus heal? And, uh, you know, he thought about it for a few minutes, and he pretty much got the answer right. The answer is probably hundreds, maybe thousands. You know, Jesus took a big interest in the blind. Uh, just as a side note, you know, there's nothing, there's nowhere in the Bible that we find anybody else, although there were other people responsible for healings, no one but Jesus healed in the scripture, healed the blind. Now, we shouldn't be surprised about this. You know, healing uh, of the blind was one of the signs prophesied in Isaiah 35, 5, and 6 about the Messiah. You know, we should have expected Jesus to be healing the blind. You know, there are two places in the scripture, Matthew 15, 29, and 30, 31, and Matthew 21, 14, that describe instances where an unknown number of blind people were given sight by Jesus. And, uh, and you know, then we have these uh, very specific times in the scripture where Jesus, we're told that Jesus healed uh, a blind person. You know, in Matthew 9, 27, 29, two blind people followed Jesus and asked him to heal them. And he simply touched their eyes and they were able to see. In Mark 8, 23, Jesus spits on the eyes of a blind man that had been brought to him, and his sight was restored. 
And then in Matthew 12, 22, there was a man who was blind and mute who was brought to Jesus, and he healed him. And the scripture tells us that he could both talk and see, you know. And then in Luke 18, 35, 43, Jesus uh, pauses uh, in his journey to give sight to a blind beggar as he enters in to the city of Jericho. And then later in Matthew 20, 34, as Jesus was leaving Jericho, he touches the eyes of two blind men sitting on the side of the road and restores their sight. All of this is very, very impressive, and it was impressive to the people who gathered around Jesus and followed him. And then in John chapter 9, we have a remarkable story of Jesus healing another blind man. And this story, Jesus sees this blind man who has been blind since birth. Now, his disciples wanted to know whether this man's sins or the sins of his parents caused his blindness. And Jesus answered that neither he, the man, nor his parents had sinned and caused this blindness. Jesus said his blindness came about so God's works might be displayed in him. Isn't that interesting? You know, in Jesus' day, it was thought that there was a direct connection between sin and suffering. But Jesus wasn't saying that uh, sin cannot produce suffering. You know, humanity does all kinds of things to harm ourselves and, frankly, our children. Uh, so there are things that we can do that will cause suffering in our lives on this planet. You know, if sin's not clearly the cause of our suffering, Jesus is telling us that we should look forward rather than backwards to see how God might glorify himself through our suffering, uh, our impairments, our disabilities. You know, in this story, Jesus spits on the ground to create some mud, and he takes this concoction of uh, of uh, dirt and spit, and he spreads it on the blind man's eyes. Now, this reminds me of the scene in Genesis 2-7 when, when God took dirt and created the first human being. In this story, Jesus then tells the blind beggar to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The blind beggar obeyed, and he came back seeing. He began to tell everyone about the man who healed his eyes, suggesting Jesus must be a man from God. But he was ridiculed by the Jewish leaders, you know, made fun of, uh, questioned, almost as though he was lying, even though they all could see this man who had been blind since birth could see. And he was eventually thrown out of the, the temple, out of the synagogue. You know, even today, when uh, someone experiences human uh, and physical healing that could only occur by divine intervention or spiritual healing that 
could have only occurred at the hands of the Holy Spirit, it's often met with skepticism and doubt, with people saying there must be some other explanation uh, and challenging the person who has been ill. Some of these people are people in churches who who question uh, the, the miraculous healing that even occurs today. Now, what happened? Jesus took the initiative to go and find the blind, uh, blind man who had been thrown out of the temple. And when he found him, he asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, this is what, how Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. And the man answered, who is he that I might believe in him? And Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one who was speaking with you. So, uh, um, so <clears throat> you know, earlier in the day, the blind man could see nothing. But after an encounter with Jesus, he had seen the Messiah. Now, this is the moment when the man is spiritually healed and committed himself to the lordship of Jesus. Now, as this podcast um, winds down, I'd like to pose a couple of questions. You know, when we or someone else close to us suffers physical or mental impairment, what do we see in that person? Do we see a problem, a hassle, an inconvenience? Or do we see an opportunity to, uh, to display the works of God? You know, for us, it means uh, providing assistance to that person in whatever way we can. You know, even today, the miracles of God are so incredible that most people can't believe their eyes. They can't accept that a miracle has occurred. And I would say to those of us with eyesight, which I have already said, I think the human eye is one of the most uh, miraculous things that God ever uh, created. Uh, we should appreciate this miracle, the miracle of the human eye and what it does for us on a constant basis. And then I will say to you, if you're living in spiritual darkness, just as in the case of this blind man, Jesus is pursuing you. Jesus is asking you to submit to the possibilities of healing, spiritual healing. If God loves us so much that he sent his son to heal us. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you'll come back and listen again to this podcast. May God bless you.